Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Plush Day podcast, a Tottenham Hotspur themed show brought to you by an assortment of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. Dave, as always, is here to be our voice of reason and to tell us things like hitting the post doesn't actually count as a shot on target. Dave, welcome back to episode 10 of the Plus Day podcast. That's gone quickly, hasn't it? Double digits, yes, it has. Look at us. We made it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Who would have thought all those weeks ago? Yeah, definitely not me. That's one. Quite the achievement, I have to say. I- I'm impressed. I mean, we-, we lasted longer than Nuno, let's put it that way. You know, we, we, did-, we did pretty well. As well as Dave, I can also welcome back a couple of regulars. First of all, as always, Elio, welcome back to the Plus Day podcast, episode 10. How are you feeling? I'm probably better than I did after episode 9. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair to say. Or before episode nine. Yeah, probably probably better than you felt after most of episodes one through nine, I would say. Yeah. Probably safe to say. Given that we, we missed the start of the season where we were actually one winning was games. a high point. Indeed, indeed. And Joe, welcome back for another episode after a well earned rest. How are you doing today? Yeah, very well. I don't know if much has happened in the last week or two, but um yeah, hopefully. Oh we'll have to fill you in, yeah. There's been a few changes. <laughs> Obviously, a lot to get through, quite a big one. We we went over the new regime last week. We talked about the new manager and we speculated as to how the team could set up under Conte and how things could look going forward and what we could expect from Spurs. And of course, we've had a bit of a taster of that now. We've had not one but two games since Conte took charge. A lot of drama. It's a lot of stuff to, to unpack and talk about. So we're going to look at that and have a look at what we can learn, what we have discovered from watching some games under Conte. And of course, we're going to look forward to the season to come. We're not going to get into too much detail this week about Spurs leads as much as we'd love to, just because we have the international break next week. So of course, we're going to have an episode then and that will be our opportunity to get into excruciating detail about Spurs and Leeds. So you have that to look forward to as well. But of course, we are going to talk about the Vitesse game briefly and we are going to talk about the Everton game today, which was a, a nil-nil so where to start really obviously nil nil it's not the result we all hope for but would we say there are positives to take away from that it certainly wasn't a disaster was it how do we feel about the result today I think bear in mind what our form has been like most recently I don't think we can be too displeased Mm. with the results I mean yes I know I said last week that quite often we go to Everton and win but Everton are also a decent team with a good manager we have no right to win at Goodison Park and if the change of manager hadn't been made I would have expected to lose today quite frankly so I'll (laughs) take the point and it's it's a point that we got last season as well so we're still six points up on our equivalent fixtures last season Mm. which leaves us in healthy states in my opinion in terms of positives to take from it I think Listen, there's so little you can ever read into a manager's first or second ever game in charge of a team taking over Mm. mid-season. But I I do think there were positives to take. There was an improvement on the organisational side defensively, as shown by Everton being limited to the one long shot all day. And even though we didn't register at the other end of the pitch, which perhaps feels a bit familiar with the season so far... Mm. We did actually breach the final third and were undone by sloppy passing a few times, but there was a lot more pattern, a lot more, I guess, intent about how we were trying to use the ball, in my opinion, which was promising. Maybe I'm looking for things that I want to find and uh, I'm seeing what I want to see to an extent as well, but... It felt that when the players had the ball, they were actually using it well, moving well and knowing what to do, but they just weren't delivering in their execution. But mm. there, there seemed to be far more of a pattern to things today, in my opinion. 
Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Conte, he might be an excellent manager with a great record, but he's not a miracle worker. Nobody, Mm. no matter who you are, is going to come in and immediately change the way a team plays. It's still the same players. It's still the same squad. So we've got to give him time. I know it's starting to sound like deja vu after the first few games with (laughs) with Nuno, but we really do need to give him more than a couple of games to impart his style. Uh, Joe, what do you think we've learned so far? Now that we've had a couple of games with Conte in charge, what can we take away from him? Based on today's result and performance, it could have easily been a Nuno game, to be quite honest. Like you say, it's difficult to see a, a massive change on the manager's first sort of league game in charge. I mean, the weird thing for me is Conte's first two games couldn't have been kind of more different, really. You've got this five-goal, absolutely bizarre ending to the <laughs> Europa game during the week, which was just crazy. Yeah. And it looks, it started so well. You just thought, wow, this guy's having yeah. an instant impact, you know, 3-0 up. This looks great. And then it just, he realised how bad the situation is. T- today's an interesting one. I mean, I would have felt, again, if it was Nuno in charge today, it would have been another one of these pods where we say, yeah, we're poor going forward, but we're looking really solid and we're keeping other teams at bay, we're getting more possession, we're playing more passes. You would have felt pretty pleased to go away to Everton and get a draw if it was Nuno. So, I mean, yeah, it's difficult to tell, like Elio says. The, the formation's obviously quite different now, but you feel like Nuno probably would have gambled on this at some point, to be honest, how desperate things were getting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that this game was a bit crazy, wasn't it? I mean, it was sort of welcome to Spurs. <laughs> it was a bit of a circus right from the off. And I think with what happened at the end, that showed a couple of things. I mean, it showed that our defence has some work to do, but it also showed a bit of game management. I think the way that that game was going, Spurs teams of the past may well have completely thrown that away right and we we saw some smart substitutions we shut up shop after the two quite good goals has to be said let's give the test credit where they deserve it and maybe Conte was showing a little bit of steel to close that game out and today again defensively we looks very good obviously there's problems to focus on but do you think maybe he's just focusing on the defense as the first thing that needs to be fixed I don't think a manager of Conte's level ever thinks in as binary terms of yeah. let's fix the defense let's fix the attack I mean all top managers see both defense and attack as all 10 outfield players duty so I think it's more about having the team organized off the ball and in sync on the ball and organized off the ball well there's already an improvement from the midweek European game obviously Mm. and in sync on the ball I actually think there was an improvement from the midweek game as well. It's just that the midweek game was against not the best Dutch team who would probably be bottom three in this league. And today was against a good side, an injury hit side, but still a good Premier League side. And I think that's the major difference, level of opposition. But the actual performances, I don't think were particularly vastly different. It's just that Vitesse have a much worse defence than Everton, Mm. to to put it bluntly. I think it's also also fair to say that performance-wise, whereas it may feel a bit more of the same from a team perspective, if you look at a few individuals, I think that there's a lot of good to find. I mean, I I don't know if I said in the group earlier or not, but I thought Skip was phenomenal today. I thought, and playing a very different role to what we're used to from him as well. He was almost playing more in the final thirds than in his own thirds and actually leading the press a hell of a lot of the time, which I think Mm. you remember me saying last week that Conte Conte had Conte leading the press for Chelsea a lot Mm. of the time. So that was quite interesting. I thought Harry Kane looked a hell of a lot more involved and a hell of a lot more, I guess, aggressive in his play than he did at any point in the Nuno regime, albeit his his execution wasn't there mm. today. And I He's think He's getting forward uh, more as well, isn't he? He's playing a bit more like a number nine. 
He's playing a bit more like a number nine. He's putting his body on the line a little bit more, and he is actually showing that he he wants to contribute now, which I think we're all in agreement he didn't really previously. Mm. And I think Emerson continues to become a bit of a cult hero for yeah. me. I know you need more than one person in a cult, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm growing to really really like him. I'm sure that resonates with a lot of Spurs fans at the moment because I'll join your cult, Elliot. He's he he his performances were fine and steady before but in two games mm. under this guy he's been aggressive he's been attacking he's been the player that we were hoping we'd sign so we said that so before th- when Conte was was announced we said that this would suit the wing backs right Regalon as well I think Regalon's probably mm. looked a lot more he's contributed a lot more than he had done before and the system seems to suit those guys in particular and it's interesting that we saw Doherty come on as well on the left weirdly but it'll be interesting to see how the wing backs we have in the wider squad will, will impact the play Dave do you think we look like a stronger team already from what you've seen with Conte? Do we look like an improved side? Um, I'm not sure. Mm. So I touch on what you guys just said about Regulon and Emerson because I absolutely agree. I mean, yeah. the highlights that I watched because I was only able to watch the highlights, all the key highlights involve them as two of the most furthest forward people mm. in the Spurs team, which I think is a massive positive and a difference compared to the way that, that you've been playing so far this season. So I think that's positive. The three at the back gives you the ability to do that. I think that's definitely a sign of things to come from, from the way that Conte wants the team to play. I think it's interesting to compare against Everton because I don't think they're sure what they are either at the same time that you're not sure what you guys are either. But I think that probably different spectrums, probably on different trajectory as well. But I think one of the key things from Everton, and this is why my answer was I don't know, is because they, they basically didn't have their spine of their team. They didn't have Mina, they didn't have yeah. Decura, they didn't have Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which is what we mentioned in episode nine as an opportunity. But ultimately, it's an opportunity if you have shots on target but if you don't have shots on target then it means that the likelihood of you conceding goals against them is lower so I don't want to say the jury's still out but Mm. I do think you know it's a game and it is a game you didn't lose and I think it's very important personally as a Leeds fan I'm delighted that we didn't lose today because I hate going into an international break off the back of a defeat Mm. so that's positive as well You, you just don't want to you don't want that to fester. And I think it's good that you didn't lose. It's good that you didn't concede any goals. And I think there are some green shoots in there for, for, yeah. for, what's, uh, for what's to come. I think today's the first time we didn't concede since those first three games of the season yeah, in big. any match, in any competition as well, even against Mura, we conceded. So I, I think that's something to definitely take from today. And yes, I agree with Dave, everything can be mitigated by the fact that Everton didn't have Decore, didn't have Mina, they were they didn't have Calvert-Lewin, that's their best defender, best midfielder, best attacker, all out. I think by the same token our level of performance can be cut a bit of slack on the basis that it was our second game in this formation. It was our first league game. So I don't want to say first competitive, don't be disrespectful to Vitessa, but Mm. our first league game under this manager. And it was this manager's fifth day on the job. So so I think the playing field between the two sides for differing reasons was probably relatively level. And I think I think we did ourselves justice. It would have been nice to pick up where we left off after half an hour against Vitessa today and go for it. But I also think that Conte did probably pick a team to make sure we didn't lose first and foremost today yeah. with sort of the fairly solid pivots with the flanks being utilised as much as they were whereas I think when he goes for it he concentrates a bit more of the flair down the middle with players like 
well, at Chelsea it was with Hazard, at uh, Inter it was with sort of the likes of Ericsson and Barella. And I think that's why we saw sort of the Salesman and Dombele coming off the bench to kind of wrestle us back into a bit of ascendancy rather than starting the match mm-hmm. and leaving our wing backs exposed. I mean, our wing backs had protection in Son and Lucas all day, and I think that was a defensive ploy rather than an attacking ploy. Dave mentioned it a minute ago, we mentioned it in the intro. The elephant in the room, no shots on target for the whole game, mm. which, you know, I mean, it is what it is. We've, we've seen it before, but obviously a little bit worrying that twice now we've come up against a team that's just conceded five goals and failed to register a, a shot on target. So obviously, again, we're going to keep going back to this, give the guy a chance, you know, give him a bit of time to implement his style. But how do we fix that? And what do you think will be different about the team next time? Of course, Skip got the yellow card, so he's actually out for the Leeds game. So that's going to be interesting to see who comes in. Do you think, any of you, this is an opportunity to put in a slightly more attacking player in his position and maybe have a shape that will go forward a bit more? I think we should be putting a more attacking player in at home to Leeds as opposed to away to Everton anyway, without Mm. wanting to be disrespectful, (laughs) because Leeds are... A much more open side. Any BL side will be far more open than any Benita side. So I think you, you want to try and take advantage of that space. Whether we do it or not is another matter because Harry Winks mm. actually, and we know that uh, none of us are lovers of Harry Winks, at least of all me, but mm. he, he came on the other day in Europe and did well. That said, Lo came on ahead of him today, so it could be either or. It could be Ndombele. Who knows? It could be two of them and actually taking out one of the front three. I think with mm. the lack of shots on target... I still want to argue the case that 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 was very much down to a poor delivery, a poor decision in dangerous areas rather than being unable to get into dangerous areas. Whereas under Nuno, we were getting into the final third, but by the time we were in the final third, we were faced with a wall of eight, nine players every time because we did it so bloody slowly. We're actually getting into those positions quite quickly today, but Kane had one wonderful opportunity to square into Son, which he completely messed up. I think Son had his own uh, another point. I think Reguilon a couple of times actually got into dangerous areas and made the wrong choice or gave the wrong delivery. So I actually think it's far more worrying when the reason is that your build-up play isn't good enough. I thought the build-up play was good enough. It's the execution that was lacking. And a bit like a striker who always gets into the right positions, therefore you have faith that eventually the goals will come. I think our flank players were getting into the right positions and in the right spaces, but the delivery wasn't right. So when it is, we'll score Mm. goals. That's the thing, isn't it? You can talk about stats like that and we, we talk about stats and lies down lies and statistics and shots on target is a bit of a misleading one because what are shots on target if they're shots from distance or if they're tame shots or if they're shots that you shouldn't be taking it's, it comes down to decisions as well and exactly. obviously a lot of it does have to do with the build-up play and having threatening phases of play and I think we, we definitely did have that didn't we there were definitely points in the game where we had pressure on there were spells where we had them pinned back we were going for it there was some urgency and it is just a case of maybe that final ball before the chance to actually have that shot on target we need to create a brand new stat that's kind of in the vein of xg and xa but just sort of right before you know like expected (laughs) expected assist for an assist that would be right up there on that one that would be the expected hockey assist xha (laughs) yeah exactly dave as i mentioned before we're going to get onto it more detail next week of course so we won't get into it too much but are you a little bit concerned about what you've seen so far from spurs you think we're going to give you a game 
you're always going to give us a game. Yeah. And and ultimately, I'm more concerned about the form of my team than, <laughs> than the form of your team. I would say if you put a more attacking player who isn't going to run the yards into your midfield, it's going mm. to be trouble. Because if there's one thing we do do, even when we're not on form, is we run our socks off. So, yeah. um, you know, I think Conte probably needs to be aware of that. But I think it should be an interesting game. And I think it'd be an interesting litmus test for you guys. Because I think... Mm. It's not just the fact that you're playing another team in the Premier League because I know that I I would blow our trumpet, obviously, but, you know, Leeds have certain attributes which kind of, well, I say this, they they kind of show up the charlatans, so to speak, but at the same time, Ole Solskjaer's Man United seem to beat us 5 or 6 nil every single time. So, you know, maybe I'm talking to bollocks. But yeah, I'll be interested to see how they can shape up against a team that's, that's willing to run them into the ground. I think the fact that we have fewer internationals in our squad than we have in recent times, the fact that he's going to actually have two weeks now to work with... Listen, you don't need to work with Hugo Lloris, Hugo Lloris, Hugo Lloris, but he's got two weeks now to work with Eric Dyer, to work with Lucas Moura, to work with even Deli Ali if he gets a game, and Dombolo won't be going away with France. He, he's got time to work with players that may well be playing, and I think that'll be invaluable. It is almost an opportunity for him to get a, a mini pre-season with a few of the players. And obviously the ones going away tend to be our best players who hopefully need a little bit less cajoling than the rest of the squads anyway. So so hopefully that reaps some dividends. I think Conte is very unlikely to be unaware of how well Leeds do at the things Leeds do well. Uh, he wouldn't be the manager he is if he wasn't meticulous in his... Yeah. Uh, knowledge of every opposition he ever faces and he'll have his little content to Bielsa dictionary open as we speak trying to make sure he knows exactly what you're going to do whether it works or not is another matter because you are a good side and you are a side that plays a way that we've come unstuck against for the last couple of years ever since we lost our own intensity with Pochettino. I watched the Leeds game today, obviously, and it's probably the best we played. And I think Leicester can count themselves lucky that they that they got anything from that game, even though they did have a goal disallowed. So we are getting there, and mm. you know, let's hope we peak in two weeks' time. Dave, is Rafinha? He's rubbish. <laughs> is, is he available? We just want to chat with him. Is is he playing more as a sort of second striker no. now? Because he, I, I didn't see the game, but I, it looked like he was playing. No, it's, the striker. It's, it's a strange he... situation because you will notice that we 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 are basically playing with Rodrigo, who we kind of thought was a number nine when we signed him, and then quickly realised that well, through Patrick Bamford's form, he didn't end up playing there. He mm. was playing in a front four with Dan James and Jack Harrison and Rafinha. And, and almost at no point was, was Rodrigo up front on his own. And it seemed to be it seemed to be rotating more between Dan James and Jack Harrison than Rafinha. Rafinha pretty much stayed out on the right wing and he was he was the outball basically every time. And and as soon as the ball got, got to him and as soon as the ball got to him every time, you could almost feel like half mm-hmm. of half of the Ellen Road crowd stand up and pay attention to what was about to happen. And I mean I don't want to say he's too good for us because he's not, because we're awesome. But oh, he's really good. He's really <laughs> Dave, good. Does, does a cross that goes in count as a shot on target? Uh, I believe it does. Certainly more than hitting <laughs> the post. I don't think it should. I'm not sure I'd call that a shot, but you know what? He'll take it. Well, he hit it with his left foot and it ended up in the goal and nobody else touched it. So let's go, go with that. More misleading stats. Uh, we're, we're going to talk about Leeds plenty next week, of course, but back to Spurs for a second. I just want to talk about 
maybe some of the fringe players that potentially could be given a chance because Conte, there's a couple of quotes that he's come out of recently. He's been saying pretty much mirroring what you said, Elio, when we first appointed him last week and saying that as far as you're concerned, this is a chance for everybody to wipe the slate clean and, and chance for everyone to impress. And although he does seem to have the makings of a first 11 based on the fact that he's played the same team twice, obviously he's going to have to make a change next week. Chance for some players to come in. We mentioned Winks a second ago. I've seen a lot of talk about Winks on social media. A lot of people perhaps getting carried away off the basis of a 20-minute spell where he looks quite energetic against a tired team. But a lot of people saying Winks looked good and, and maybe he could feature in, in the side. And another one that we need to talk about is, not for the first time, Deli Ali, because Conte himself has been talking about Delhi. We mentioned what Delhi did to his Chelsea team back when Delhi was the Delhi that we remember. But there's a quote here saying, Deli Ali has great potential. Physically, he is strong and very good. Now we're starting from zero. I tell every single player, not specifically Delhi, show me you deserve to play from the start and I will give you the chance to start. So it's a clear sign that it is a chance for somebody to step up. And we've been talking about Delhi for a while and saying how we all want him to come good. And I've actually got a question here from one of our listeners who, uh, Elio, you'll, you'll be very familiar with. Uh, this is from Mystic Bear on Twitter, also known as Andrew. And uh, he says, does the blossoming of Ruben Loftus-Cheek under Tuchel show a route back for Deli Alley under Conte, a 25-year-old England national midfielder coming back under a demanding, detail-oriented coach? There's always a place for any player who works at it and improves under any manager. But it's really hard to envisage Delhi coming up with what he needs to come up with to turn his career around. And you know me, I've been one of his staunchest defenders for such a long time since Mm. his decline began. But going on evidence, you, you just can't see it. I really hope I'm wrong because... The Delhi that we grew to love is one of my favourite ever Spurs players. He was he was a magician. He was this unpredictable, entertaining, wonderful mm. footballer who who gave you moments that you you remember till he die. But that Delhi himself has died. Um, so hopefully he can be resurrected. So hopefully he can do his Undertaker impression and get <laughs> up off the canvas. But we need to wait and see. I mean, they always say everyone starts from zero. Everyone, yeah. the slate is completely clean, etc. He'll cetera, have been watching our games. He knows he's performing. It's a bit of a tired cliche for me because everyone starts from zero and everyone has a clean slate. And yet Harry Kane, who scored one goal in the first 10 games of the season, still started the 11th today. So I think Conte is not going to throw any player under the bus. He's going to work with all of them and hopefully have a player come up trumps and improve enough to get into that first 11 because God knows that's better than having to buy a new player in January. Mm. But but as far as Delhi's concerned, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Joe, what do you think about this? Do you believe in the possibility of a fairy tale comeback for, for any player? I mean, we, we see it every so often, but do you think sometimes a new manager coming in, putting an arm around him, inspiring him, maybe giving him a new role, do you think there is a route back into the team for Delhi? What do you think? I've been thinking about that more than anything since Conte's come in. I, I've got a really sneaky suspicion that Delhi could be a real Conte player. I agree with everything Elio said. Like, how many times has Delhi, you know, in recent years, kind of been on this carousel where it just, you think he's kind of getting back to his peak and then it just doesn't work out and then he, he's back again and he he's sort of looks great yeah. and says the right things and it's happened again this summer. I felt really good about him coming into this season and it's been pretty disastrous. I've got a sneaky suspicion about this though. I don't know why. I, I, I think something good for Delhi might be around mm. the corner under Conte. 
maybe it's wishful thinking, but it just it feels like when Pochettino was our manager, they had a really special relationship, didn't they? You see all these pictures of him with his arm around him, and you know he was obviously really sad when he left, and you, you saw the, the tributes, and it does feel as if that he's not really been the same player ever since then. Maybe it is just a man management thing. Maybe it is a case of just having somebody get the best out of him. Maybe he does need a little bit of encouragement and, and a bit of a push from a manager like that. It's, it's hard to say, but what I want to know is, do you see Delhi coming back in a similar form to what he was when he was at his best, or do you think there's a new look Delhi on the horizon? more of a box-to-box more of a central midfield player in that two or do you see him as one of a front three sort of taking up the spot where Son or Lucas have been playing more akin to what he was when he was at his best I think Delhi, if he's going to make it it'll only be if he can rediscover what it is he used to have we've tried him in other mm. types of roles under Mourinho under Nuno we've tried to develop him in other ways he's not that central midfielder who you want in a team that's going to be dynamic because he's a player that slows down play when he gets time on the ball. He's not a wide player. He hasn't got the pace for it ever since his hamstring's gone. He hasn't got that burst of pace anymore. He's someone who plays off of a front man. Now, it could well be that he plays off of two front men in Kane and Son in a 3-5-2, which would be lovely if that mm-hmm. happens and if he is good enough to do it. So he's got a bit of competition there. I think him, Lacelso and Ndombele are all going to argue over one position potentially. So obviously Lacelso can also play a bit deeper as can Ndombele, but I think all three of them are, if we do go down the one of the strikers' position, there's a lot of competition for that. And he would really have to find a way to get back to what it was that made him in the first place for it to work and it could happen but I don't think he's reinventing himself in a new role because that's not how his brain is geared and it's one thing sort of Conte turning Ashley Young and Victor Moses into great right wing backs but they were very industrious right wingers so it was relatively mm. obvious transition. Delhi's a player for moments. He's not a player for time on the ball and trying to dictate things. Uh, we've talked about Delhi. We've talked about Kane. We've talked about our fullbacks and Skip. Uh, a couple of other players I want to get through. Lucas is one that's always been up and down. I think I thought he looked quite good against Vitesse. I thought he looked probably better than he had done in a while. He was actually releasing the ball and looking very direct and dangerous. And at times he made some good dribbles today, but gave the ball away a lot, didn't he? I thought it was atrocious today. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but yeah. I, I, You're not writing him off just yet, though. You're, you're still giving him another listen, game. I like Lucas. I think Lucas has a great value as a squad player because he's this very willing, very energetic, very quick player who does have a bit of magic in his feet as well. But I go back to the stats I was saying about him last week, which are not too dissimilar to the stats I used to Lambas Lamella for as well. I mean... His output in four years with us is just nowhere near good enough. I mean, not mm-hmm. even one in ten for goals. And if he's one of your three attacking players on the pitch, yeah. then that seriously inhibits what you can come up with. I mean, yeah. if you're playing with three attackers, whether it's one off of two forwards or whether it's two wide men off of one forward, all three of them need to be getting double figures goals every season. You can't have one not pulling their weight because the second there's one that teams don't fear, the other two get marked far more easily as well. Do you see that as an obvious position to upgrade, whether that's in December or next year? Do you think that's one that's just begging for a new player to come in? Because we obviously talked about Delhi, but again, you know, no evidence to suggest he's going to come in and be that player. We talked about Lucas. We've got Ndombele, who, for all his occasional flashes of brilliance, hasn't exactly been a goal threat very much. He's got that nice goal against Newcastle. But is that a player that we need to replace? Do we think we need to sign somebody as one of that front three? Let's see what happens up until January. 
right now I would love it. You're staying on the fence, that's not like you. Well, I'd always like signing someone to be the last resort. I'd mm. much prefer we manage to evolve. I mean, Delhi, Lucas, Lacelso, Bergwijn, Hill and Dombele all going for one position, essentially. One of them's got to do it, right? I'd like to think Conte, if he is the manager that he's meant to be, can get at least one of them firing because we've got other areas in the squad we need to address as well. So yeah. it'd be nice if that front role, that third attacker role, once again, whether it's someone playing off of Kane and Son or whether it's a right winger, if if that can be sorted out without having to go into the transfer market, because we have a lot of depth there, it really shouldn't be the case that none of it is of the required quality. If you were, um, just to add a little realism to this, if you were downloading and starting a new game on Football Manager 2022, which I had very recently, by the way. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. And uh, and you had Spurs' squad as it is now, and you were Antonio Conte, and you decided to play Antonio Conte's formation. Which I have been doing. Who would you buy in January? Well, I can tell you who I bought at the beginning of the season. And I've been talking to Elio about Football Manager, and we've actually signed a couple of the same players. He signed them first, he'll hasten to add. But I think we both strengthened the defence, mm-hmm. the back three, and the midfield, right? So is that yes. is that is that Eric Dyer? The problem is on Football Manager, Kane Be scores gone. every game. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't need. To, <laughs> and Ndombele is unbelievable. Ndombele has been banging goals in every game for me. I don't know about you, Elio, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think Football Manager is as realistic as we like to think it is. But never say that ever again. When I saw when I saw the <laughs> squad, the first thing I did was the defense, which on today's performance is perhaps harsh. What do you think, Elio? I went and got Kingsley Kamanov by Munich, which would never happen in real life. So, <laughs> so in hey, answer to your decide, question, who... Actually, I decided Lataro Martinez in January, so that's going to happen. So, in answer to your question, who will I get for that spot for Spurs in real life? No mm. one that I'd be able to get on Football Manager because Spurs aren't going out. But that's where you'd invest. Yes, it is. I signed Kessier, who's doing very well. <laughs> I figured, you know, I think... let's try it out, let's simulate it. I think we need to have faith that Conte hasn't come to not be backed with quality, not just Mm. potential. We've got lots of potential in the squad, not just fillers. He's not joined us to not get quality. And I'm sure he's not expecting a full squad revolution in January, apart from the fact that I think you're only allowed to change a few players at a time mid-season anyway. But I'm pretty Mm. sure he's expecting at least one or two signings that will get into our first team in January. Last week I said three or four, maybe. Maybe that was wishful thinking, but... Listen, he signed an 18-month contract. There's no way he's signing a contract that short with an extension in our favour, I'm aware, without believing that for his first two windows, he's going to get serious investment. So I think it does start in Mm. January, and it's a case of how much they can do realistically, I guess. The players will be under no illusion on this, will they? The players know that that they will be fully expecting players to come in and compete for their plays. This is almost like they're on trial again. They know that if they don't perform up until January, they're under threat. They could be replaced. That's got to be a good thing. And there are already players that I think are beginning to, just from two games, look like Conte is not going to be able to get them working in his system. And one of them is a guy I alluded to last week, Pierre-Emile Hoybier, Mm. who I thought has had two dreadful games in a row, quite frankly. Mm. And he's a good player. He's a player I like a lot, but he's not got the range and the composure to play Conte's deeper, more dictatorial role. 
and he doesn't have the legs and the aggression and the pace to play the second central midfielder who's yeah. a presser and a fighter. He was beginning to find his own under Nuno, in my opinion, as part of that double pivot with Skip. Mm. But Conte's system is very different. He almost has a diamond midfield in front of a back three. And that requires yeah. a lot more mobility and a lot more specialism from your central players. Skip, because of his athleticism, has it, even if he's a very raw player. Hoybier, I think, is becoming a very obviously upgradable player for me. And yeah. it's a sad thing to say because he's a leader and he's a great guy. And he's a real heartbeat of our team. But yeah. if he can't do what Conte wants, then someone's going to have to. And when you see the rumours of Kessier as well, it's almost crying out for that obvious replacement, isn't it? I mean, I've not watched much of him, I must admit. I'm only really going on what I've heard and highlights, but he certainly seems like not everything that Hoiberg isn't, but an obvious upgrade in terms of someone who would fit the system, a box-to-box type who would be very good in a two-man midfield like that. What do we think of the back three? Because it's not new. We saw back threes under Pochettino and obviously Dyer was involved in those once upon a time. But I think a lot of the successful teams in Europe are playing a back three at the moment. But it's new for us. How do you think they're settling in? Because I've been quite impressed. That 10-minute spell against Vitesse aside, of um, course. <laughs> Romero played it already. Yeah. Um, he was in the centre at Atalanta because at Atalanta they like the ball-playing guy to be in the middle and they have two cloggers either side. Whereas over here, Conte likes to have a ball player either side of the clogger. Dyer, you are Mr. Clogger for the purposes of this. Um, I think Romero has the ability for it to be the right side of centre-back, but I think he needs to stop committing quite as much as he does to mm. every single tackle because down the two wide centre-backs is where you get exposed if you leave gaps. So he needs to learn not to leave gaps anymore because otherwise there's going to be a good sort of 30 yards to run into in between Dyer and the wing back every single time. So I'm fine with him. Dyer, I'm always willing to give a chance to because I've got a bit of blind loyalty to him yeah. because of his heart and his character. Similar to Hoybier, I guess, but... I think Davies is the obvious one that you've got to think, yeah. well, do we really want Davies to be a first-choice player? Yeah. I can't He's done fine. He has I done like that fine. that is his position, though. I think that's probably the best position for Davies, left of a back three, rather than a full-on wing back or, or a centre-back. But I'd back. suggest Davies' best position is left of a back three In at another team. Burnley. <laughs> oh, that, that has sounded really spiteful. I know it wasn't meant to, but I know, I know what you mean. Davies has been a really good player for us and he doesn't deserve yeah. a tenth of the flack he gets from Spurs fans. Yeah. But you look at other teams, top teams, defenders and centre-backs, and can you put Ben Davies even on their benches, never mind their teams? No, he certainly seems like a placeholder. I mean, you get the impression we are going to bring in another centre-back. And I'm just curious to hear how you see that lining up. I mean, you made a good point earlier when we looked at the back three in the game against Vitesse and Dyer having been in the middle. You said maybe that's because he's the best communicator and because, you know, he's the one who knows the team and he's a bit more of a leader and obviously he's been there longer. Do you see him staying there or do you think once we get another centre-back or if we get another centre-back, Romero will go back into his more familiar central position and will change things up a bit in terms of the way that back three is set up? I think Romero will stay on the right. Yeah. Like I said, Conte likes to have two ball-playing centre-backs either side of one clogger. And mm. ball-playing centre-back diet is not 
quite bluntly. Despite what Martin Tyler suggested with his Glenn Hoddle-esque passing. <laughs> exactly. Whereas at Atalanta under Gasparini, Romero was the one ball playing centre-back, surrounded by two guys who were more just there to hold the forwards. Romero was the one that stepped out. Romero was the one that joined the midfield. So I think if Conte is going to stick to what he did with Inter and what he did with Chelsea, where he had Azpilicueta and David Luiz either side of an ageing John Terry, he's going to, or or a Cahill, that he's going to keep um, Romero as the RCB. So who have we not talked about so far? Who have we left out? Son. We haven't talked about Son. Needs to learn the offside rule. (laughs) (laughs) At least he's running. Well, yeah, I mean, that's something, isn't it? It's an effort, but very frustrating seeing how often he was offside. VAR had a good game today, didn't it? VAR was right. (laughs) Both big decisions, I'd say. The red card, does anyone contest that at all? Is that fair, Uh, Red? VAR got both of those right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the tackle by Hoggate was pretty awful, to be honest. The way he lifted his foot, the second foot sort of came off to try and get maximum damage. (laughs) Yeah, it it did seem spiteful to me. I thought it looked like he was trying to hurt him. I mean, you never know. You want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but that was my That's how it looks. It's just lucky that Hoiberg was facing away from him. Yeah, not very lucky. Because he yeah. was, if he was facing towards him, that's that's his shit yeah. snapped in half. I mean, yeah. that was ugly. You don't want to see that. And in terms of the decision that had the biggest impact of the match, because obviously that was end of the match anyway, the penalty. I'll be honest, I... I was upset that the ref didn't give it in real time, because in mm. real time, and he had a very good view of it, in real time the ball clearly changes direction at the point that Lloris makes that dive and makes that impact. It looked from the view that they showed from behind the referee, it looked not a penalty. It looked a good save the entire time. So I was upset that it took so long to actually sort it out. But I guess that is why VAR is there for when the referee makes a clear and obvious error and error obvious and clear that was. He took his time watching the screen then, didn't he? Well, maybe he was enjoying the show. He wanted to get some popcorn out. <laughs> we were saying earlier, it was almost like he wanted to make it seem like it was a difficult decision, just to credit his initial decision a bit more. Just think, hmm, that's a close one. That could be, that could go either way. But no, definitely a good day for VAR. I think we can agree with that. Any final thoughts on the game or on the two games we've seen? Just takeaways from Conte Spurs so far, early days, of course. But Joe, Dave, anything to to throw in? Tessa, I mean, I don't know what happened there. I mean, to finish with. 10-9 in terms of players just says a bit of a, a strange evening. I, yeah, we'll, we'll write that yeah, one off. You can kind of write that game off, can't you, as a bit of a circus. Crazy. Hopefully we finish every match with one more player than the opposition. We'll, <laughs> we'll, win, we'll win a lot of matches if that happens. Yeah. I think it might be the other way around, more likely. Dave, do you still stand by your suggestion that Romero might be a bit of a lunatic? Because, you know, red card the other day. Did he get a yellow today? He's got, 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 got today. six yellows already, hasn't he? I mean, we like, we like a bit of aggression, but, you know. He's racking him up. Got to rein it in a little bit. Yeah, think, I think, you think he's um, a liability. I, I think he's. Um, Is he the new Serge Aurier? No, I think he's he's quite good. Yeah, but I do think he has the touch of the crazy about him. Over the two games, what have we learned? I think you know, score more goals than the opponent, and you win. Don't concede That's goals. Good advice. You don't lose. So you know, we've got one of those, right? You've nailed it. See, Clean sheet. Very little we'll have learned so far because we've yep. had five days of this manager. But Conte, I guarantee you, will have learnt a hell of a lot already. He'll have learnt a lot about the players' limitations that he's chosen. He'll have learnt a lot about how capable they are of playing in his system. He'll have learnt a hell of a lot about where they need to be improved. And that can only put us in good stead for the period after the international break. 
finally, before we move on, is there any credibility to any of the transfer rumors we're hearing at the moment? It's always difficult to say until the window actually opens. And obviously, there's a lot of hearsay and Chinese whispers. But any of the rumors, the players that we're being linked to, do you see anything concrete or substantial behind any of those? I mean, if you throw enough mud, some of it's going to stick. But yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Like I said, I'm sure we're going to make at least one or two big signings in January. First team players, but who they are and where they come from, God knows. Chances are it'll be nobody that the press have even thought of. Players that you have to Google, according to Danny Rose. (laughs) I love a player that I have to Google. That means that I don't know how bad they are and I can get really excited. (laughs) And it means you get to watch their YouTube highlights reel and they look amazing. Best part of the summer. It it is. It's it's exciting. Brilliant. Well, look, if you have any thoughts on the two games so far, just how we're shaping up and what your takeaways are from Spurs under Antonio Conte for the first couple of games and and what the future holds for Spurs and how you see us shaping up, what players you think have a future, what players you think will be in the team, please do get in touch with us. As always, our social media accounts are at Plus Day Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us at plusdaypodcast.com at gmail.com so we'd love to get your thoughts any general points any suggestions for how you think we're going to play or any predictions for how the season will pan out and of course if you have any ideas on any transfers that you think would make sense for spurs in the general window i mentioned it in the introduction guys we've reached the 10th episode 10th episode of the plus day podcast which is a, it's a small milestone but i thought it was worth just a quick shout out to say that we've had a thousand downloads so far which is uh a modest milestone, but I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty happy with that. The fact that our podcast has been listened to individually a thousand times, it's, it seems like quite a big step. I mean, I know about 300 of those are me running through it to make sure it's all okay, but I mean... Uh, all those bots that you've hired. <laughs> yeah, it's the bots, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where's, where's but, my but, check? I, I know at least five people have actually listened to it legitimately. But no, I was going to say thank you to everyone listening. I mean, it doesn't sound like much, but it, it keeps us going. I don't know about you guys, but it's great to know that there are people actually looking forward to the next episode and wanting to hear what we have to say about Spurs. And I think as long as we end up doing this, it's going to continue to be a little bit crazy to me that there are people all around the world listening to us talk about Spurs. So uh, Well, this is why the old manager got the sack because we were more exciting than actual <laughs> Spurs football. Oh, you so saying the bar has risen now. We're going to have to be even more entertaining than the football. Well, now that Conta's coming in, we've had four <laughs> sendings off in two games. Um, all of a sudden, the drama's back at the club. So, so we're going to have to up our game. Oh, I don't doubt us for a second. I think we're going to be absolutely fine. I think we should sack you and bring in Daniel Farke <laughs> to host. <laughs> Well, there's quite a few out-of-work managers at the moment to to look at. So, Well, look, 10 games in. I know, obviously, the season's still young, but it's a good enough milestone as any to take a quick look back on it before we get into Challenge Elio. But who do you say your standouts in the season at this point? Who's been player of the season for you? And and who do you say has been the the biggest disappointment so far this season? Biggest disappointment's relatively easy because our best player is our arguably worst performing player so mm. harry kane without a shadow of a doubt any disagreements on that one no it's been it's, it's, it's caused no. problems for everything kane having the season yeah. he's having dave who's been our best player this season um <clears throat> paratici <laughs> we've already said it on this episode but i think emerson started his career at spurs mm. really well he's a really mm. exciting player i think he, he's gonna fit well with conte's philosophy and his formation so you know i think that unless something goes drastically wrong, looks like a really, really positive sign-in. It's almost looked out unless, you know, this was the plan the whole time. (laughs) Well, it certainly lines up well, doesn't it? Joe, if you had to pick five players now that have to be in our starting eleven for the rest of the season, who's locking in for you? Yeah, you know who the first one is. Yep, obviously. Um, Of course. (laughs) 
Emerson, let's add him. Yeah. You know, until Elio's comments a little bit earlier, I would have said Lucas because I feel like he's shown so much more passion and put effort in on that on average. It's a difficult one, but I, I know think what you mean. Right. It's a difficult one. He's been frustrating, but good at the same probably, time. So probably in need of an upgrade, but he deserves yeah. some, you know, some lawsuits to be shown. I mean, come on, Kane and Son, surely, surely yeah. from game week 12, it's going to kick on. We've got the keeper out, but we'll, we'll I was, was going to say, I mean, Maurice <laughs> yeah. is actually someone we, we keep forgetting to talk about. And he has been one of our best players this season. Yeah, and you talk about keepers when they make howlers. He's been great. Yeah, exactly. He's, 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 he's been great. And, and again, you know, it feels like kind of three seasons ago, we were really worrying about him. You know, post-World Cup and everything, mm. you know, you start to wonder if he needed to be moved on. Those conversations have never had, you know, the last couple of seasons. He's been terrific. Hugo yeah. Lloris is the best goalkeeper in the league. Uh, I fully there believe you know. that. He may not be the best ball-playing goalkeeper in the league. He may not be able to ping Zidane-esque passes the way Alisson can, but there is no better shot stopper mm. and there is no better organiser of a defence than Hugo Lloris. The benefit that those others have is that they have some world-class defenders in front of them, which sadly Hugo does not have. But no, I think Hugo Lloris is a wonderful goalie and it terrifies me that we have yet to renew his contract mm. with it expiring at the end of the season. He handed a transfer request on my FM save. I'm in mm. trouble. Lloris is the second best French goalkeeper in the Premier League. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. Well, let us know what you think of Hugo Lloris. Is he the best keeper in the league? Get in touch with us at Plus Day Podcast, Twitter and Instagram. Right, we're going to move on to Challenge Elio now. I decided to go back through a few of our last episodes and catch up on the scores and tally it up again. And guys, Joe, Dave, it's not looking good, I'm afraid. Elio's been running away a little bit more. He's built up quite a lead. Do you want to hazard a guess as to what the scores are now? I'll tell you no, what, I'll tell you, you guys Next have 47. Question. Team Dave has 47. How many points do you think Elio has? 32. 500. You're close. You're close. It's 92. <laughs> 92, 47. Elio, are you happy with that or do you want it to be a bigger gap? I wanted it bigger. I don't even have double theirs. <laughs> yeah. that's, not, that's not good Well, enough. this is your chance to hit triple figures, your chance to get into the 100 club uh, mm. and also a chance for you guys to try and narrow the gap a little bit. So, Yeah, when's uh, the next double or quits question? Because <laughs> I think well, we need it. <laughs> you know what? I, I think it's fair to say that we need to change things up a little bit in Challenge Elliot because we, we've obviously, Elliot does have the advantage of the fact that we normally pose the questions to him first, which I've been giving a lot of thought to and I don't think it's actually fair. So I think from now on, we're going to give you guys the questions first. You have first go at them. If you don't know them, then it comes back over to Elio. You know, a bit like a game show. A bit like I said it before, a bit like the chase. You know, the, the contestants always have a chance first before the, the chaser jumps back in and, you know, cleans up and tells them the answer they should have known. So uh, we'll go on that basis from now on for a bit. So but... we're going to replace the high scoring element of Elio's game to the smugness that Elio will have when he gets a question <laughs> yeah. right that we didn't know the answer to. Great. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I can't be smug with you because you're not a Spurs fan. On that note, actually, I think I am going to start giving Dave double points when he gets a question right. I think it's only fair because he can't be expected to know. And also, it's worth mentioning, next week, of course, we're going to have an in-depth look forward to Spurs and Leeds. We're going to talk about Spurs and Leeds in general quite a lot. And what we're going to do as well is a head-to-head. We're going to have Elio versus Dave in a big Challenge Elio special showdown. So if you have any questions for that, whether they're about Spurs or Leeds, then please send them through to us. We'd love to include some of your questions as well. But this week... Going straight into question one. As you may be aware, against Vitesse the other day, Huminson scored the first goal of the Antonio Conte regime. Huminson also scored the first goal under Nuno. He also scored the first goal under Jose Mourinho. And he scored our first goal in our new stadium. What I'd like you to do is name the opponents and, ideally, 
the scores of those three games. First of all, Elio, how are you feeling about that? Do you think you know the answers? I know the teams. I'm not mm. convinced that I know the scores, but I know the teams. Well, if, guys, if you have no idea about the teams, you could just throw out random score lines the, and see if you can get them. I know, they don't necessarily have the line. Well, Nuno was City, wasn't it? Yeah, 1-0. It was. Two points already. See, guys? It's easier than you thought. There's two points, in fact. Let me write this down. I, I mean, I've no idea with the new stadium and Jose, though. You don't remember Jose's first game? So much promise back then. I am going to move it on soon if you can't. You, you, you might have to hazard a guess. Come on. 1-0. One 1-0 nil. One nil is incorrect. You're wrong. I'm going to put it back over to Elio. You guys two have points. got one point, though. Well so... done. Four points. We've got four points. Four points? <laughs> no, yeah, two Joe, points. Oh, yeah. I got it. Double points. I got it. <laughs> Are you going to sort of confer between you it's and like then tax evasion. The answer yeah. so that's, exa- that's exactly what we're going to do. We've yeah. got a WhatsApp group <laughs> on the side. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I like these dirty tactics. Okay. So the opponents first for Jose's first game and the first game of the new stadium, respectively, Mm -hmm. were West Ham and Crystal Palace. Yes, correct. I wasn't sure what you were doing there. I thought you were going to go for the score. Yep, they are both right. And the the scores scores. against West Ham was 3-2 and against Crystal Palace was 2-0. West Ham were actually 3-0 up and they came back to 2 all. Very similar game to to Conte's first game, actually, wasn't it? Yeah. Exactly the same score progression. That's bizarre. Yeah, indeed it was correct. So it was 3-2 in 2019 and then, yep, yeah, 2-0 against Palace in our first game at the new stadium. Son scored the first goal there. So Elio gets four points. See, there's the smugness, Dave. You just cleaned up. You gave him one chance. He's like a deadly poacher in the box. You can't and yet slip somehow, points-wise, it's four all because of these <laughs> stupid bloody rules. Yeah, but unexpected like points. <laughs> No, I don't know. Vegas I think, doesn't I make up is... the rules. Oh, no, wait, he does make up the rules. Sorry. I do. I do make up the rules, yeah. And sometimes and the actual facts. I make, up, yeah, I make up the questions. <laughs> I make up the rules. And sometimes I just make up the answers just to keep things fresh. Right. So I'm going to throw in a, a question that isn't anything to do with Spurs. Well, it is, but it's not actually a Spurs question. As we discussed earlier, we have had a bit of a problem with getting shots on target this season. In fact, we've got two players who have managed 10 shots on target this season who are, unsurprisingly, Kane and Son. Can you name all the other players in the Premier League this season who have at least 10 shots on target? Bloody hell. It's not that many, you know. This is according to the Premier League's website. There's only about 12 or so. I'm assuming it's just a back and forth one, yeah? I think there should be a back and forth one, yeah. Well, I'm going to lead with the obvious one, given the amount of goals he scored in, say, Mohamed Salah. I wasn't sure you were going first earlier, but okay, I'll let you <laughs> Well, this isn't about Spurs, so <laughs> screw, screw the rules. Well, you're on a run from the last one. Okay, so yeah, Mohamed Salah is top by a distance, actually. He has 24 shots on target. Joe, Dave, throw out some names. So I'm thinking... Vardy? Yeah, Vardy. Yeah, just go with Vardy. Yep, 12 shots on target. Have you? I'm blanking on who all the top scorers are all of a sudden because <laughs> we've lost so many times that I've just missed multiple episodes of Match of the Day. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go Lukaku. Scorers. Lukaku. Lukaku is not on there. Oh. Hey, got one wrong, guys. Um, yeah, it wasn't about Spurs. Dave, do you reckon <laughs> um, Mikel Antonio? Yeah, most of the shots on target have been against Spurs, though, so technically. You say it, we get double points, I think. No, no, I'm not, I'm not liking this. <laughs> Dave has to legitimately know it. <laughs> okay, we'll, uh, we'll go with Antonio. Number two, 13 shots on target. A fair way behind Salah's 24. Yeah, very good. Elio? Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah. He is. 11 shots on target. Only one more than Kane is on. Just jotted that one down as an idea. Um, who's banging them in? Who's doing really well in FPL? <laughs> Not Ivan Tony, I doubt. 
I should note that I've lost my pen, so I'm not actually keeping track of who said what. I'm just trying to remember it vaguely in my mind. Okay, I, I haven't written it down. I'm a real professional. Come on, guys. Snappy. Elio's lurking around okay. the 60-yard box when he's tapping it. Let's go. With, do you reckon Ferran Torres had his little hot patch, didn't he? Dave, do you reckon he got that many shots on target? He probably didn't score that many, did he? Um, Should we just go for that? He was, banging, he was banging them in at one point, wasn't he? Ferran Torres? Torres? No. Not in there. He's not got 10 shots on target. Anyway. Uh, Rafinha then. Rafinha is in there with 12 shots on target. Disappointed, uh, Dave. Disappointed you didn't go for that one. Yeah, 12 shots on target. I didn't think he'd be in there. He's joint third with a lot of people. Uh, I guess, uh, do we just go with Mane? Do you? I mean, he shoots on site, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd have been shocked if he wasn't there. I, I, I thought he had more shots than Mo Salah, to be honest, but no, he is <laughs> yeah. in there. Yeah. He is on 13 shots, joint second with Antonio oh, and two others who we haven't mentioned. So let me see. We have eight to go. Okay. Hmm. Bruno Fernandes. No. Okay. Guys? Jota? No. Not on there. I don't think we're quite a clues yet, are we? No, we can bring a few more. It is. I think he scored a few for Arsenal, so I'm going to go with Aubameyang. Correct. Cool. Um, I think... Joey, are you keeping track of the score here? Yeah, I am. I've been writing them down, <laughs> so I know who not to say. <laughs> You're being honest, though. I think Conor Gallagher's had a lot of shots. He has had a lot of shots. Nice he has one. had 10. He is the same as Kane and Son with 10. So we have, we have two that, more. So two two more on 10. And then we have two more on 12. And then two more on 13. That's six to go. I'm not sure if he's played enough to, but I know he's scored a few goals. And I'm sure Ronaldo hasn't had all United shots. Mm. That's why I went for Bruno. So what about Mason? Mason Greenwood? Mason Greenwood is that. in there. Joint second on 13. Good Very good. Very good. There's one that I would never get in a million years that I'm going to have to give you some clues for, but you may surprise me. One of them I'll say is on particularly good form at the moment. Doesn't narrow it down much, but he's been scoring a few goals recently. Looking at him for my FPL team, potentially. Uh, it's not going to be someone like uh, Smith Rowe. Should we go for Smith Rowe? Yeah. It might be. Is that your answer? I've been Smith looking at Rowe. him as well. 10 shots on target. He scored or assisted in the last six games running. Good player. But he does nice. violate my no Arsenal rule. <laughs> oh, God. What's the name of that kid that Burnley bought that's been really good? Um, he, he wasn't there for the first few games, so this might be a bit oh, of a risk. But he's, yeah, he's yeah I know. He's, yeah, if he doesn't think of it, we've got him, Dave. I'm not going to say his right answer. <laughs> Is it who? Cornet? Oh. Cornet? No, he's, I don't know who you mean, but he's not yeah, on there. Yeah, Cornet. Corner. No, he's not on there. Is he not on there? No. He's only just kind of clicked into gear, hasn't he? Because Burnley have been pretty awful up until okay. recently. Good player. So we have one, two, three, four left. Yeah, that's what I've got, Pags. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you need the answers as well? Okay. Independent not... adjudicator. All right. So <laughs> none of them are from sort of top four teams. No, that's not true. What does top four mean that's anymore? Is West Ham a top four team? Hang on, well, no, yeah, that's, 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 that's my point. Oh, that, that, Teams in the top four big, right That's now. a big clue there. That's why I corrected myself, because I just remembered. Oh, hang on. So you you're there. saying it's not a top four team, but it is in a team that's <laughs> It's a team the currently, four. very recently, so found themselves so West in Ham, the top then. four. <laughs> I'm not saying that, Dave, but it might be. <laughs> well, <laughs> who else scoring. Bowen West got Ham. a couple. Oh, no, he got a couple of assists. Do you reckon Bowen? Yeah, but he's, he's, he plays up front. Yeah. Bowen? Bowen? 12 shots on target. Bowen is nice. correct. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. So we've got three left. Cheers, Dax. This is going more quickly than I thought, actually. <laughs> I thought we'd be here for about half an hour. 
<laughs> so the three left, they're not Champions League teams. They're all yeah teams that you wouldn't expect to be scoring. A, a I tell you what, more. based on the fact that his team creates a hell of a lot, mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Neil Mope. You're not miles off with that guess. But not him. No. I think it's free-for-all stage so, now. Just shout out names. So, so hang on. Name another bright player. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the saying nothing, Dave. You're just inferring that from what I said. But yeah, I am. It might just be something that I sounds reckon, like Mo. I reckon I'm going to be right if I can name yeah. another Brighton player. <laughs> Maybe it's Benoit Sokoto who played with Neil Mo. It's not, it's, not, it's not Shane Duffy, oh, that's God. for sure. That's <laughs> his answer. We're going to talk Shane about Duffy. Shane Duffy. Peculiar stuff. What's the other guy who's scoring all the goals? Oh, what's his name? Uh, is he French? Tr- he might Trossard? Be. Trossard is Trossard. correct. Yes. 12 shots Another on target. Bloody gave you that. Wow. It's getting a bit tedious now, isn't it? We've been on this question for about 20 minutes. <laughs> but you guys are supposed to be football experts. Do you not look at these stats for your FPL picks before you forget to make transfers earlier? This is probably as good a time as any to tell everybody the only place to start with our FPL is Dave's somewhat rogue Russian blood to the head triple captaincy this week. Dave, can you tell everyone who isn't a Twitter follower who you decided to triple captain this week? I regret nothing. <laughs> Um, I decided that it was either put up or shut up, and uh, I went, I went for a triple captain of Shane Duffy. Outstanding. Uh, assuming that Brighton were going to uh, not concede a goal against Newcastle yeah. and probably take advantage of their defence with a set piece. Or two. I would love to know how many people was in the theory. world there triple captain Shane Duffy that week. If you were the only one, I think there's a well, good the, chance the you were the only one. Pretty, pretty <laughs> confident the answer is one. Yeah. Out of nine million players, <laughs> just Dave. I would but imagine. don't worry, because I had Cancela as my third sub, so it's all good. We've got two left, haven't Do we? We have, we have no got idea. two left. I'm just going to throw. Uh, I'm just anymore. going to throw Ivan Tony out there. <laughs> no, wrong. I'm going to go for Wolf Zahar. No, but he's that kind of player in that he's his team's only good player. What's... <laughs> okay, it's Malasar. <laughs> yeah, that's quite harsh considering we just talked about Conor Gallagher actually on Zaha. Uh, but no, that is absolutely correct. Is Malasar is the right answer. Oh, right. Okay, Watford. I think there's one left. So again, it's a team that are not doing very well. Okay, I'll tell you what. It's a team that has this season, this doesn't narrow down that much, sacked their manager. <laughs> oh, so it's going to be like Ings or... Pookie. Nope. Watkins. Yes. Oh, Nice. Mm. Very I didn't good. realize Watkins took shots. I just thought he just <laughs> pressed really well. I didn't realize Watkins took shots. <laughs> what do you think he is, a Spurs player? Very well done, guys. I have no idea who won that round. Joe, can you tell me <laughs> your your complete integrity? I I think it was like well, we got twelve, so I think it was if it wasn't six all, it would have been like eight five eight four to one of us. Sorry, what am I? What was up with my maths? Seven five. That's what I'm trying to say. Seven five. We're not doubling. I days, think it please. was seven five potentially to us. I do love the fact that you like intro that question by like a damning indictment that only two of our players have kind of had ten shots on target, but there's no other clubs that have got more than two players. Ten Apart shots from on West Ham, West Ham and Man United have got two, but nobody's got. Yeah, the three. problem is those are only players that have had shots on target. So no, there were there were a few on there that had two, but yeah, I'm hundred percent honest. I think it was six each. Okay, very diplomatic of you. But double points for us. I'll, I'll listen to it back Obviously. and I'll decide, but no, that's fine. It's okay, I think we've got time just to throw in one more question. What do you think? I've got a couple, but I think, do you want to go straight to the, the Who Am I game? Or? Yeah, they're the best ones. Yeah, go for it. Okay, we're going to go on to the Who Am I game. So this is a bit of a recurring feature of Challenge Elio. So if you're new or you've missed a few episodes, the Who Am I game, as the name suggests, is the round where I give the guys some clues to describe a player who has played for Spurs in the past 
and they try and guess who it is. Uh, there are six clues. In fact, that's a lie. There are eight clues this week because I just got carried away. And I would ask the guys to give me a number on a scale of one to eight, and I would tell them the clue, and they were taking turns to try and guess which former Spurs player I am talking about. So, uh, who goes first? We'll go first. I should probably decide this. Yeah, Joe, how are you? Okay, okay, Joe, you go first. Number one. Number one. I have 23 international caps and have captained my nation. It's two clues. Being generous today. Any um, wild guesses before? Sorry, we, uh, what era is this player from? What? Spurs. <laughs> you, want, you want a free clue? I've, I've just given you two. Oh, is it not? It's, it's, I wasn't sure if you said it was a Premier League era. I said Spurs nothing player. of the sort, Joe. Okay, I'm, right. Sorry, I'm, sorry. Um, I'm appalled by your dirty tactics. Is it Darren Anderson? Yes. No. <laughs> are you serious no it's not <laughs> I'm so confident then <laughs> he has more than 23 caps hasn't he? how many caps has he got Elio I don't know for 20 bonus points Elio give me a number 8 8 I am 6 feet 3 inches tall it's helpful isn't it um, that does narrow down a lot to be fair it's very specific Gregor Raziak <laughs> no Sounds about right, though. Dave, Joe, clue, number? I'm just looking at how many cats Darren Anderton had. He had 30. <laughs> Are you close? So that was pretty, pretty close, you were to close. Be fair. Are you sure okay. it's not Darren Anderton? I think that's worth a point. I'm pretty sure it's not Darren Anderton. I'm sorry, Joe. It's worth a point, though. Surely. Uh, we'll go for, for being seven caps off. We'll go for clue number three. Clue number three. I played against England at Euro 96. That's a big clue. Probably not Anderton. One. <laughs> no. Um, is it? He did play in that game, Andrew. Uh, uh, that does narrow down a fair bit, doesn't it? Oh yeah, you got a little smile on your face. Do you think you know? I know who it is. <laughs> no pressure, guys. Elio just said he knows who it is, so you have to get it. Is it um, Ramon Vega? Oh my god, you got <laughs> it. it is. It's <laughs> Ramon nice Vega. One. That's outstanding. Elio's hanging his head in despair. That <laughs> <laughs> was out of nowhere. <laughs> I love Ramon Vegas. Incredible. It's amazing. Dave, that, I, I'm going to give you double points for that, 100%. Switzerland. And, and so you know, Captain the Who Am I game is worth five sense. points. So that's 10 for you right there. That's amazing. That's brilliant. For fuck's sake. Yeah. We've, we've closed <laughs> I've no the doubt gap. you're about to say that as well, Elio. He played in England's opening game at Euro 96 against Switzerland. He is six foot three inches tall. He has 23 international caps, including captaining Switzerland. The other clues were going to be for what they're worth. I have played in a League Cup final and won. I have won the league in two countries. Scotland and Switzerland. I signed for Spurs for 3.75 million from Italy. I have two red cards and one own goal for Spurs. And then the final clue was going to be, I have run a billion dollar hedge fund and once tried to buy Portsmouth. That, that rings a bell. Yeah, the hedge fund That's thing. The I knew about the one. hedge funds. Yeah, he's, he's a very successful businessman these days, Ramon Vega. He, uh, yeah, he's he a is, big, he big time investor. So yeah. He loves an interview. But all you need well, to know about Ramon Vega is that he's six foot three that he played in Euro 96 and he has 23 caps. That's all Dave needs. That's all I need. And he's not even a Spurs fan. Outstanding. That's that's brilliant. One of my favourite standout Thanks moments up, from 10 episodes of the Plus Day podcast. Right, well, that's a very good episode of Challenge Elio and, and well done to Dave for 
getting a well-deserved 10 points for that run with Vega. That's I'm not just about all we have time for, sadly, today. But we will be back next week, even though there's no Spurs match, there's no Premier League football. We will be back to entertain you during the international break to talk about the Spurs-Leeds game that will be then on the horizon. And we will be looking forward to that very much and talking about how that's going to go. But we'll, uh, we'll get on to that in much more detail next week. So thank you for joining us again this week, and we hope you enjoyed it. And once again, for all of you who have contributed to those 1,000 listens so far, we are very grateful and hope that you will be returning in future for more episodes of the plus day podcast please join us again next week and to everyone listening thank you so much you stay classy spurs fans and we will see you next week Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they've done it! They've done it!